0: Welcome back everyone! Hello! Hi, I'm Cordy. And I'm Ellie. And this
1: is... The The Legendary Legendary Handbook! Handbook, In which my sister and I do our best to not freak out when we read entries from a mysterious and possibly haunted book that was sent to us and we don't know who it was. Mm Mm-hmm. The book also has a picture of a
0: clock that's also not a clock, and its hands move, and we're almost positive that it can hear us. Whether it's benevolent or malicious remains to be seen. Though recently it did lead us into a witch's woods, and she got really mad at
1: us. She said she knew we were there by accident. I know, but still, I have never been so scared in my life. What about the time Ronald McDonald was at Maggie Sullivan's birthday party? In my defense, he did not look like Ronald McDonald who draws their clown makeup
0: with that many pointy shapes. John Wayne fucking gacy
1: 6-year-old me was not having it. <laughs> you st- you straight up punched the dude in the nuts and it- it's one of my very first memories. <laughs> Fiona didn't raise a damsel in distress, okay? Uh, Don't be polite to men who creep you out. Don't be polite to men who creep you out. Your comfort is essential. And his feelings aren't special. (laughs) So don't be polite to men who creep you out. Oh, that was so Cordy. We need we need rehearsal. That was so bad. We do. <laughs> oh, but that is some solid advice from Fiona that helped me well into my 20s. It is a good thing that both of us are attracted to more than just men. Oh, could you imagine only being attracted to men? I. I don't know what I'd do with myself. I know. And yet, and yet, they find some way to butt into our business. I told you about the time I was on a date with Riley, and some guy had tried to hit on them while I had my hand on their waist. Or when I was out with Angela, and she and I were
0: holding hands, and some man said... Can I join?
1: Uh, And I wanted to throw up. uh, I did. I did throw up on a man once. Not one of my proudest moments, but I have absolutely no regrets. How is Angela, by the way? Um, she's as fine as she can be right now. She said England is in another lockdown, but she has plenty of books. I miss her. Aw, well, for reference, for the listeners, Angela is the love of my sister's life. Who had to move back to England for school and family
0: reasons, but was supposed to come back here this year, but pandemic
1: time. Angela, if you are listening, you are sorely missed here in the Shaughnessy household, and we are also very jealous of England getting the vaccine first. (laughs) Yes, and you probably still won't be allowed back here because
0: we don't have it yet
1: sorry
0: <gasps> anyway anyway enough about my sad sapphic love life let's get <laughs> back to the book
1: uh okay let's see uh the time is two eighteen p.m eastern standard time and the book time is oh
0: um These look like constellations. Hold on. Uh, I think that's Leo, and the other hand is pointing to Sagittarius.
1: And the second hand... Oh, look! Look! Is that Aries? So it's the fire signs. Oh, oh,
0: and there's a number. 162. Hmm.
1: Let's mark it. Uh, For those that might need a refresher, the clock hands within the book... Move almost every single time we open the book, and we have been documenting where the hands are pointing to see if there might be a pattern. So far, we just have more questions than we have answers. Such
0: is the nature of this book. It's very true. Okay, it's my turn to pick this week. Although we had an irregular kind of reading last week.
1: Yes. Last week, we discovered the book can indeed hear us, and knows that we accidentally trespassed in a witch's woods, and there was a fresh entry that was way too specific not to be directed at us. But I don't mind. Cordy, if you want to pick, you pick. Okay, okay. So let's see. How
0: High is Too High? Tower Construction and Dragon Proofing, page 733. The Madness the Poets Call Love, page 888. Oh, And uh, When You Find Yourself as a Bird, The Do's and Don'ts, page 53. Well, come on, you know now that I'm thinking about Angela, I want to read The love One.
1: Oh, yeah. Let's read The love One and cry. I'm not touch-starved or anything. Hand me the book, please. Love is an absurdity. It has been named a malady, an affliction of the mind and senses. To the ancient Romans, it was an uncouth and sometimes shameful madness, worthy of ridicule and cautionary tales. To the nobility from Middle Ages Europe to feudal Japan, it was an illness best avoided, and its presence could wreak havoc on dynastic scheming and diplomatic marriages. And yet, poems were written, songs were sung, and stories were told of its inescapable pull. It afflicted the young with a terrible virulence, and the groan with an intractable shattering of their well-wrought sense. Star-crossed love, unrequited love, love at first sight, true love, these are the bread and butter of the poets and the romantics, of playwrights and bards. They are awful ideas. Perhaps, if we hadn't spent so long telling people that love was a terrible evil, we would not have such twisted views on what is laudable about it, on what is worth romanticizing. Perhaps instead, we lack the linguistic nuance to talk about love in a way that is useful or enlightening. Perhaps out of fear of it, through many ages and many cultures, has caused us to bury it, and its many permutations have calcified into a terrible and rotten hole. In the ancient Greek language, it famously has many different words to describe love, from agape, benevolent, charitable love, the feeling one has for one's children or spouse, to eros, intimate love, or sexual attraction, or according to Plato, the appreciation of another's beauty, or the awe of beauty in general. (gasps) The author is familiar with the ancient Greek
0: words for love. Did you know they had six different words for different kinds
1: of love? I knew that there was more than one, but I had no idea that there were that many. Yeah, there are six. There's philia, which translates to
0: affection, regard, friendship. Uh, It was developed by Aristotle. It's best known to describe loyalty and affections friends feel toward one another. That's beautiful. And there's also storge, which is the empathetic love that parents have specifically for their children. It's similar to agape, but it's usually used exclusively to describe familial relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, agape being the uh, higher pure love.
1: Oh, like like a religion, um, like how they used to say in church yeah, or yeah, whatever. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. You see, there's a lot of agape in church stuff. Mm-hmm. Um and then there's philia, uh, which has the same roots as Philia, but has to mm-hmm. do with self-love and one's own happiness. Uh, the last is Xenia, which refers to the ancient Greek concept of hospitality. Think mm-hmm. taking care of your neighbor, but like mm-hmm. times 10. Xenia was actually very sacred to the Greeks, so much so that if you showed up at the doorstep of a king and asked for lodging among him, he by law of Xenia
1: had to give you food and shelter and the provisions that you needed. Xenia, I remember. Paris technically violated Xenia when he, quote-unquote, abducted Helen. I say that with quotations because there are many iterations of the Iliad where Helen went willingly. I also just really like the idea of Helen making her own choice. But she also could have not made the choice. Who knows, really? But I do like the idea of her making the choice and causing a a war that lasted ten years. Yes. The face that launched a thousand
0: ships. All of the Greeks rallying to fight with Menelaus were moved by Storge. They all had sworn that they would fight for whoever Helen chose to marry when she picked Menelaus. Oh, I love ancient Greek mythology. You're preaching to the choir. I literally have a degree in this stuff.
1: <laughs> all right. Shall we get back to the entry? Uh, yeah, I suppose we really should. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, where was I oh yes Greek words for love but even in its earliest permutations in Germanic languages and before the word love means care joy desire and to hold dear and to well love it means all of these things and yet in the end it remains an impenetrable monolith It has been used since at least the Middle Ages to mean everything from horrifying, one-sided, covetous obsession, to a fondness for a particular type of cheese. The confusion, the thing that has skewed it for us all, the thing that has muddied the waters so thoroughly throughout history, is not our lack of a thousand different words to describe its every permutation, every love is different in some way. And no amount of hair-splitting nuance could get us any closer to an accurate description of an individual expression of it. But our broad sense of this monolithic word points to an underlying truth. The mechanism of love is the same, no matter the form. No. The thing that has infected our sense of love is from something wholly unrelated. The idea that we can have when we believe that our desire for another is to have them that our joy around another is to need to own them. We have skipped the tracks of love and begin barreling towards tyranny. We cannot love that which we believe we are owed, because the mechanism of love is inherently antithetical and anything but mutual, uh, egalitarian benevolence. It is no wonder that after countless millennia of hierarchical categorizations of different permutations of peoples, The concept of love has become obscured. When people are viewed as things, it is easy to confuse covetousness, jealousy, objectification, projection, pride, or even obsession with love. Ah, yes. The objectification of women in the male gaze. Unrealistic expectations, and not understanding women's bodies, feeling entitled to their bodies. It all seems to cloud what love is really about.
0: Then women who have been gaslit for so long lower the bar so, so low for men, to the point that if they show just an iota of basic human decency, i.e. not assaulting them while intoxicated, they are thanked endlessly as if they've
1: done some great service. Exactly. And I know plenty of cis men who would never in a million years hurt their partners or even a stranger in any way, shape, or form. Oh, me, too. It's just that
0: enough cis men have done things like that, that Mm -hmm. it makes us wary of all of them.
1: As the great Karen Kilgariff says, toxic masculinity ruins the party again. Even
0: the book knows it. What else does it say about love, though? We keep getting sidetracked.
1: I know. We're just filled with feminine rage today. Mm -hmm. Uh, To continue, to wit... (laughs) Love is not an invisible force or form of matter in the universe, nor a state of being, nor an internal reservoir that can be drained. It is a feeling, yes, and one that we can absolutely stumble into, trip, and of course, fall. But the mechanism of that feeling, the single action that comprises all of love, is to share. To share a glance across a room, to share words, to share a gift. To share time, to share food, or circumstance, or thought, or feelings, or touch, or our bodies. To share long-winded, imperious screeds on the nature of love, because it's too difficult to approach directly. To offer the... Wait, 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 wait. Does it really just say that, or did you just make it up? What do you mean? Of course it actually says that. Just, the author is really self-aware. I know, it's almost as if the book can hear us. May I finish? (sighs) You may. (laughs) To offer to engage with parts of yourself without a sense of transaction or obligation. For naturally, if you offer to share something with someone and they decline, no sharing can be said to have occurred love is the feeling of sharing with another and having them joyously accept love is a grandmother telling old stories to bored descendants only to have them cherish those tales as they grow older love is the offer to give someone space when they need it or to wrap them in blankets and give them soup when they didn't know they could ask for it love is the active choice to share moment to moment and sometimes if you're lucky You may learn to string those moments on into eternity, and I hope, if you'd accept it, that I get that chance.
0: Huh. Wow. That was really beautiful.
1: Yeah, it sounds like... (laughs) I really liked that one. Yeah, it sounds like it was written for someone. Oh. Yeah. Cordy, look there's a handwritten section on the back of this page. Oh, oh, let me read
0: it. Um, let's see. It reads. It was a Sunday afternoon. The wind was pleasant and the grass was singing, or at least I think it was singing. Everything felt like it was singing. Then even the calls of the gulls felt like a symphony to me as you were there with me. The sun was bright, but not too hot. And I swear the air tasted like sugar, but not as sweet as you. I wish I could tell you now. I would have been content to lie on that hillside with you forever, and let the wildlife feast on us and the ground swallow us whole. Just as long as you were there with me, and even then, no grave could hold me, no time could hold me, no world could hold me, not really. I wish time was shaped like a rubber band. I'd love to hop in and spring toward you. I wish I could tell you now that I will always crawl home to you. Though far apart we may seem, there is no such thing as separation and your music is always playing in my ears.
1: I will always sing for you. B. The writer of that note really took the book's advice here. Hey, do you think Bridget wrote this? I. I don't know. It's signed B, right? Yeah, signed with B. But, but the author could be anyone that has a name that starts with a B.
0: Yeah, okay, but where's the letterhead? The note that had the letterhead on it. We should compare oh. the handwriting. Um, I don't think it's a coincidence that Bridget's name is in the book, and there's a handwritten note with the letter B at the end. Yeah. Okay. Hold
1: on. I think it's. Let me find it. Hey, come on, come on. Where did you put it? I hold. I where? Hold on.
0: Oh, oh, wait. it's important. Come on. I found. It. I found it. I found it. Okay. 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 Let me see, let me see. Uh, um, I, I, think, I think this is the same handwriting.
1: Let me see. I, uh, you know, I wish we had a longer sample. It does look really similar. You know what? We'll have to ask mom if she could show us some of those letters Auntie Bridget had written her when she was younger. That would definitely give us a better idea. Oh, wait, what's this?
0: Um, that envelope with a dried piece of thistle inside. I wonder what it's doing in there. It could be a memento from this day that the handwritten entry talks about. Thistle is an interesting memento to have, though. Like, it has a lot of cultural significance. It's both a flower and a weed.
1: Oh, she has the range, darling. Mm -hmm. One of my favorite
0: facts about it comes from the French lore, uh, that it is a weapon against those who may mean you harm. It is often referred to as flower of the sun or the herb of witches. And they believed that it not only could look into the sun, but proudly stood to face the light. It's also associated with protection from evil and can be used
1: in warding spells and protection spells by witches. Protective and brave? So versatile. I really like the idea that this could be significant to our Auntie Bridget. Maybe, given the protective flower that she's trying to protect us. I mean, whoever this entry was about was clearly loved by her a great deal. Gosh, I wonder who this is.
0: Okay, okay, but we don't know for sure if this is something Auntie Bridget wrote, but I do really love it, too.
1: Do you think we should put it out by the door so it protects us here?
0: Hmm, maybe let's keep it in the book and look into getting a thistle bundle to put by the door. Like I love the idea of having it around, but this one
1: seems very special and I Mm -hmm. don't want to take it away from the book. Oh, definitely. You're right. You're right. Well, listeners, let us know what your favorite flowers are, or if you have any cool stories about thistle. Uh, We'll be back next week
0: with another entry and hopefully no haunted stories. And we will try
1: our best to stay out of the woods. Goodbye.
0: The legendary handbook was created and developed by Caitlin Chin, Miriam Bloom, Unique Trepman O'Brien, and Gabrielle Cerubo. It was written by Gabrielle Cerubo, Unique Trepman O'Brien, Jen Coitz, Gregory D.A. McDonald, and Z-Hope Simon. It was produced by Caitlin Chin and Cirque Nui, Edited by Alex Santulo, Caitlin Chin, and Gabrielle Cerubo. And our voiceover actors were Cordelia, played by Kate Conover, Eleanor, played by Gabrielle Cerubo, Fiona, by Josiah Reese, and Mel, by Megan Andrew. The original music was composed by Andina. Thanks for listening, everyone, and see you next time.